You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to a bit of a bite-sized edition of Garibaldi Red with me, Matt Davis, as we discuss the appointment of Steve Cooper as Nottingham Forest manager. He's someone who knows uh, his kind of football well through his work at Swansea City, as we're joined by Wales Online Swansea City reporter Ian Mitchellmore. Ian, thanks for joining us. You well? Very well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, good to hear from you and... uh... Thanks for having me on. No, not a problem at all. Not a problem. Um, were you surprised that Cooper ended up at Forest? He was linked with Palace and Fulham quite extensively in in the summer, and he's ended up in back in the Championship fairly swiftly. Did it come as a bit of a shock to you or not? In a word, yes. Um, you know, like you say, his stock was incredibly high after two seasons in the Championship, reaching the playoffs in both of those seventy points in his first year, eighty points in his second year, reaching the final, going one better than. His first season, of course, losing to, to Brentford, but um, you know he was he was sought after, and I think that's probably why he looked at the club and the position, realised he probably couldn't take them any further. Um, and, you know, fans have different views on, on on that sort of mentality and whatnot, but ultimately it's his decision. He knows the ins and outs, and he knows what he can and can't do, and um, and the, the limitations that would have faced him this season. So he felt it was time to move on, and you know there were talks with Crystal Palace, Fulham did look at him before pointing Marco Silva as well. So, you know, these are ambitious clubs and, you know, Nottingham Forest historically is a, it's a massive, massive club in the championship for a number of years, as you and your, and your, your listeners and your, your viewers will well know. So, um, the position that they're in, it's a really tough one for him to go into. Um, so, it's very, very surprising, I must admit. But he's clearly got faith in that squad. And let's not forget, it is a very good squad. There's a lot of talent in that squad there at Forest. Um, Swansea were very lucky to get two league wins against them last season, um, a pair of 1-0 wins with Conor Roberts scoring headers to win both of those games. So I think Steve Cooper knows just how good that squad is and he's clearly seen um, something in that squad that he feels he can turn around and, and, and improve what is a, a massive club and one that should be performing far better in that league. When he came in, he quite smartly issued a message to supporters saying, you know, we want to play creative attacking football, we want to entertain... And I think that might have been a bit of a deliberate ploy because there's kind of, some kind of you know concern up here that he's he's quite defensive. Swansea fans seem to have that notion of him uh, playing four two three one, and I looked and he did seem to play, actually play a different formation, more of a three four one two formation. So, what can Forest fans actually expect in your experience of what kind of football that they're going to play under Steve Cooper? Yeah, he he is adaptable. I mean, you know, he had great success with the wing backs at Swansea, but it, after a while, it did go stale. So. Switched from a back three to a back four and played more of a, a similar four-two-three-one initially, and towards the end it was more of a four-three-three. That's what he ended the season last year with. Um, so he is adaptable. He's not stubborn in, in a tactical sense, um, but like you say, there was a, a real emphasis on the defensive side of things, and a lot of that came from his coaching staff as well. Some of which are now set to join um, Forest. I'm not sure if they've. I don't think they've been officially announced yet. But um, Steve Rands, Alan Tate, these sort of boys, they, they, they know it system very well having worked with Steve at Swansea for the last two years so it is more defensive minded but um, there were some really good performances under his leadership but they just weren't as consistent as you'd like and you look at some of the players he had in that squad at Swansea, your Andre Ayus, Mark Gurhi, Conor Haurahan, there's some real talent in there and you know I think the big regret from his era was that they didn't achieve what they did reaching the playoffs in a better way. There was a lot of pragmatism, which, you know, you can't be sniffed at, and especially at Nottingham Forest now with the situation they're in. They're not going to, I don't think there's going to be any complaints there if you grind out results week in, week out. But 
Um, the fans were clearly having watched football under the likes of Roberto Martinez, Brendan Rodgers, Michael Laudrup, all these managers in the past. Um, it was a it was chalk and cheese from what they witnessed under them. So I think there was a a, a, a desire for a more possession based style, which we're now seeing under Russell Martin. Granted, the results haven't been what they were under Steve Cooper, but um, for the short term, I think he's exactly what Forrest need. In the long term, it'll be interesting to see if he's learned from his experiences at Swansea and if he tries to adapt and, and play a more expansive style. He can work with young players and he can work within a, a structure of a football club, which is one that's cutting its budget gradually. Uh, was that his biggest plus point at Swansea, would you say, developing young talent? Or is, that, or is there something else that fans should look to? Yeah, it, it was enormous. You know, you look at that, um, under-17 World Cup winning squad in, in 2017. He signed so many of those players. Rian Brewster had fantastic success at Swansea. And bearing in mind, he'd, he barely played senior football before coming to Swansea. The exact same applied to Mark Gurr, who's now got himself an £18 million move to Crystal Palace. And for me, he was the best defender in the Championship last season. He's an outstanding talent. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White, Conor Gallagher... Joel Latabodier, who's still at Swansea, even Freddie Woodman, who had two loan spells. You know, these players came to Swansea because of Steve Cooper. And that's probably the pull that Nottingham Forest will want as well. You know, you look at a player like James Garner, someone he knows very, very well and has a lot of faith in. Um, it's those connections. And Swansea really, really reaped the rewards of those um, contacts from that World Cup in India four years ago. So that's definitely one of his big plus points. And, you know, if you can go into that January window, you can get, you know, two or three smart bits of business, it can make the big difference between that January and May period. Andre Ayew seems like a, a, an interesting kind of case study. It seemed like he was on his way out at Swansea. He's obviously on big money. And was it is it fair to say Cooper got the best out of him or was that more down to the player? Are we giving too much credit to the manager in that sense? Um, I think there's a bit of both, you know, and let's not forget Andre Ayew's played his entire career at the top level and he's not, he was then had two seasons in the championship, so it is a drop down for him. So you'd expect that sort of quality from him having played in Champions League, Premier League, Ligue 1, you know, these, these top quality teams he's played in. So, um, but that's not to say that Cooper didn't play his part as well, because I think the conception was always that Andre I would be sold just because he was on such hefty wages. It was unsustainable in the championship, um, especially for a team like Swans, who've no longer got parachute payments. Um, he did put a bit of an arm around the shoulder and he realised that Andre Ayew is a talisman on his day. Give him a bit of love and, you know, he can really produce the goods. And that's what he did, you know, throughout the championship in both seasons under Steve Cooper. I think he scored 35 goals across the two seasons, which, you know, is is, is a brilliant tally for, for, for a player in that um, in that team that didn't, you know, create as many chances as, say, the likes of your Norwich, as your Brentford, those sort of teams. So, um, you know, Cooper does deserve a lot of credit for that because he stuck by him when fans were perhaps wavering and they weren't entirely sure what to get but at the same time of course Andre Ayew had a great attitude and his professionalism sort of saw him through those those tough moments. Uh, I want to ask you about kind of relationships in a few senses because they're important at Forest for a couple of reasons. One, one is the relationship with the board because they're kind of not heavy-handed isn't the phrase or it might be the right phrase I don't know I mean it's, it's sometimes Forest managers are finding it difficult to manage upwards shall we say. How did Cooper manage that at Swansea? Did it all deteriorate a bit in his latter months there or not? Well, this comes back to your first question and it it gives you that sense of almost out of the frying pan into the fire because there's, there's a lot of um, unrest at Swansea towards the owners. Uh, they came in in 2016 when Swansea was still a Premier League club, but they were you know just starting to slide then and 
their arrival at the club has coincided with Swansea's demise, essentially, and dropping out of the Premier League and they're now rebuilding, cutting costs continuously because they're in the Championship. So it was a it was a tough period for Steve Cooper, especially after the one season under Graham Potter, which was, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was a settling season where Swansea were trying to adjust, having basically lost the entire of their first team squad and had to throw in a load of youngsters, which, you know, Graham Potter did incredibly well and they got success from selling players like Ollie McBurney and Dan James. And then Steve Cooper continued that on in a different way, granted, but you know, he did really continue that and, and, and you know improve them in terms of the points totals in both seasons that he was at the club. So um <laughs> all the while you had that sort of rumbling thing in the background where you know he, he knew that there was that tension with the owners and the fans and generally I think he managed it well but I think it came to a head in the January transfer window this year. He was he was desperate for a number nine. Um, a few players were linked and you know there's some talks with some of the players as well and, and in the end those moves never happened and I think that's where Steve Cooper realised if we don't go out this season, then, you know, I'm, I'm on my bike because it's not going to get any better than this. So, um, yeah, generally, I think he coped with things well. And I think Trevor Birch, for, who's now at the EFL, he played a massive role in helping Steve Cooper at Swansea. But when he left, I think he found it really tough. And, and the current chief executive, Julian Winter, um, perhaps didn't quite, they didn't see eye to eye as they did with them, as Steve Cooper did with Trevor Birch. So, um, yeah, tension sort of slowly built and I think it sort of came to a head in that January window this year where people probably realised it's now or never. Fair to say one of Hewton's um, biggest failings at Forest, he never struck a relationship with the fans. There was never a great bond there. And a lot of that wasn't his fault because of COVID, obviously. But he didn't have any stock in the bank when things went wrong. So what was Cooper's relationship like with Swansea fans in general? Did he get them on side mostly or not? I think generally he did. And it certainly helped that they started both seasons really well. They got a lot of wins early on, especially in his first season where I think they beat Leeds at Ellen Road at the end of August and they went top of the league. You know, it was the starts were really encouraging, even though the performances weren't, you know, probably what you'd want. But the results were always there. And, you know, as I wrote in the piece for you, was it last week when he was officially announced? You know, you can't argue with his results in both seasons. He he, he was effective and whether you like the style or, you know, whatever your qualms are, he got results and he got them into the playoffs in back-to-back years. So um, you can't argue with that. So I think fans always accepted that and there was a, generally a good relationship, but it turned a little bit more sour probably from March this year onwards. They got a lot of points where they were second best in games. Um, prime example, Blackburn away. They were, I think, awful as being generous and they got a one-all draw. They robbed Middlesbrough 1-2-1. Yes, yeah, so I think that's where the, the sort of the relationship went a little bit sour and then it's probably soured even more with his exit and the manner of it because I think a lot of fans look at him and feel he just wasn't up to the task in terms of going ahead because he clearly felt he couldn't take the team any further, which in fairness is probably a, a fair assessment compared to what the squad he had last year and the year before. So um, it's, it's a bit of a shame in some ways because you know some fans will forget those results, but you've got to remember that a lot of that football and that sort of second half of the season it was tough to watch so I, I fully understand why that was that angst and that sort of desire to, to move on what's he like as a bloke I suppose I should ask fans aren't really bothered how managers get on with the media but is he quite personable or not on a personal level I, I found he was, he was he was good to deal with you see him every single week when you're traveling either to Swansea or to an away game and you know the, the media coverage in Swansea isn't you know isn't massive because you know they've been in the Premier League for, for seven years but 
you know, they were in the second and third seasons in the championship when he was at the club. So, you know, there's not a massive spotlight. It's out of the way in, in, in Southwest Wales. So you're not getting people traveling from here, there and everywhere. So it was a lot more personal, perhaps somewhere like Forest, where, you know, it's, it's an enormous club. There's a lot of attention on it and probably far more journalists going to games at the end of the day. So um, we were probably quite blessed in terms of having that personal uh, relationship, not just myself, but the other the few that were covering the club at the time. He was up there. Um, whether you'll get the same at Forest, you have, I, you'd like to think so. But, you know, he's probably learned a lot of lessons from his time down here. And um, maybe a bit more spotlight might not be, he might not enjoy that as much. Maybe he'll realise that he, um, he wasn't, um, you know, massively scrut well, not scrutinised, but, um, you yeah, know, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just trying to choose my words very carefully. I think, you know, he was, I think people accepted that the results were ultimately what mattered. But, you know, when fans were turning, I think there was a, a, bit, a bit of a clash there. So, yeah, a bit more spotlight and it'll be interesting to see how he reacts up at Forest. They've already been linked with Jay Fulton. Do you think he might go in for any Swansea players or not come January? He'll probably have a look. I mean, the Jay Fulton one was interesting because, you know, Fulton's only signed a new contract this year. I think it was back in January or February. Um He's settled in Swansea. He's got family down here. He's been here for a number of years. And I think his newest deal takes him up to 10 years, which would be a, a testimonial if they still exist. You haven't heard about them for a few years. But um, in terms of others, I'm not entirely sure who he would go for. But, you know, it'd be no surprise if he does. You know, Swansea have seen it already with Russell Martin taking Ethan Laird from Manchester United, the player he worked with at MK Dons. And, you know, it's commonplace, isn't it, Matt? So, wouldn't surprise me as to who it may be. I'm not entirely sure because I can't see that there's a, an obvious choice of a player who maybe isn't getting game time and he'd think, right, I'll have, a, I'll have a look at him. But it wouldn't surprise me. We'll keep an eye on that one in January. Uh, give us a prediction. It sounds like he's going to start well, hopefully. But how do you see this panning out in your experience? I think they're quite fortunate that, that Derby and Reading are two clubs in an absolute mess. So that's probably going to help. Um, but, you know, take that away. I, th- I think... I think they'll be fine because there's enough talent in that squad and the new manager bounce will have an effect. Whether it's a long-term thing where they you know, can improve like they did at Swansea in terms of the results, I'm not 100% sure. You know, time will tell. Um, but, you know, they'll, they'll certainly be fine this season. And then, you know, I think next season's the litmus test. You know, what does Steve Cooper really want? To, does he want to change the style? Does he want to implement his own ideas? And crucially, will he be given time? Because, you know, I think... Um, I've read a lot of stuff on your site where you know you, you've gone into the records of managers being hired and fired, and it's it's um, you know alarming. So I can see why fans would be quite concerned. So if he's given time and there's a bit of patience there, um, who knows where he can take it? What's your take on the championship at the moment? Or do you think we're in for a perilous few months here? There seems like there's quite a few clubs. Obviously, your club, our club, my club are cutting money, cutting budgets. Is there some choppy waters ahead? Do you think or not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Quite frankly, the, the the league on the business side, it's it's an absolute mess. Um, the Premier League's got a lot to answer for in that sense, but then the clubs have a responsibility to to operate in a you know a, a respectful manner and within their means, which a lot of clubs aren't doing. You know, Reading, you look at their wage um, output and you know the the way that they spend. It's some of it's alarming. Derby, granted, the COVID situation hasn't helped certain clubs, them in particular, but. You know, you've got to operate within your means and a lot of clubs haven't because they've been chasing that dream of the Premier League and that chasm is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And while that is the case, I just think clubs are going to go to the wall. We've seen it, you know, 
your, your Wiggins, your, your Boltons, your Berries, they're, you know, struggling big, big clubs and, and they've had their struggles. It's probably going to happen more and more often now, which is why I do feel when Swansea's owners get a bit of stick, rightly so in a lot of cases, but other times, you know, you do have to operate within your means and, and make sure you're a, a stable business, you know, first and foremost, before you look at the football side of things, because, you know, it's club staff are losing jobs. And the Derby situation, you know, I feel for everyone who works for that club because it's a fantastic club. You wouldn't wish that on anybody, whether they're, you know, Forest as rivals or anything else. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's troubling times. And I think, yeah, there needs to be a lot more caution, especially on the back of a pandemic where revenues have, have absolutely plummeted. Right. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who has listened to this shortened episode. And uh, thanks to Ian, of course. I think there was a few echoes there at my end. So sorry about that. But I'm sure it'll be restored on uh, Monday for our next episode as normal, when we should be joined by former Radio Nottingham presenter Robin Chipperfield and Mikey Clark will be back on the podcast. So thanks very much, everyone. Ian, thank you very much. I do appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. Pleasure. And uh, we'll see you on uh, December the 11th at the, uh, yes. the dot-com stadium, as it is now known. Is that what it is now? Swansea.com Stadium. Yeah, it's no longer the Liberty. Sensational. Modern football. Brilliant. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.